NBA starts tonight. Hope you enjoy that, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Combos Court. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combos Court. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 184. You heard that right, episode 184 of Combos Court. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to everyone who listens to Combos Court across the globe. Today's show, Jason Jones of The Athletic joins in. Jason is an NBA Sacramento Kings writer for The Athletic a great conversation with Jason. We discussed Sacramento Kings basketball, boxing, and even some wrestling, man. Even some professional wrestling, man. Yet we got into that all and more. You could find Jason on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. That's M-R underscore J-A-S-O-N-J-O-N-E-S. You know you could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Jason Jones of The Athletic. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling today? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing well. I am doing well. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you this because, you know, I pay attention to your Twitter. I just started paying attention to your Twitter. If you could only choose one between the WWE Network and NBA League Pass, where are you going, man? Uh, choose one? See, I'm going to choose the WWE Network only because I know just for work purposes, I'm still going to get access to League Pass one way or another. <laughs> Got you. So I'm always going to have that. But the WWE Network is my escape. It's where I can go relive my childhood, catch up on things. So can't I can't really imagine not having either one of them. Do they have every pay-per-view? Yep, every single one. Yeah, I can go back and relive you know hogan versus warrior and you know i'm a big cm punk fan I go back and look at some of his stuff and my oldest son who's 11 he's really into wrestling now so a lot of the old stuff when i log on is him going back and watching things that happened when he was one and two years old because he can't believe you know that life existed before he was born that's crazy i mean i know wwe now owns wcw and ecw it's been like that for a while do they have all those pay-per-views as well Oh, yeah. I mean, I watch, I watched, I think at one point I just stayed up one night and just watched a bunch of old ECW pay-per-views because when I was growing up, when ECW started getting popular, I was in high school and it was like, I had to stay up to like one, two in the morning to catch it on cable. Right. So it was kind of like- I remember like it was this, on MSG. I yeah, it was kind of like this mythical thing that you heard about this thing called ECW and you heard about this guy, Rob Van Damme. You heard about these guys. Right. So it was like, wow, this thing really. And like, in, you know, back then, you know, WCW, WWE, they weren't having like hardcore matches like that. Like, you know, ECW was doing things that we hadn't seen. So for sure. Back then, it was like, wow, who, you know, and then RV saying RVD 420. That was my first introduction to that phrase. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, right, right. The whole effing show. 
Yeah, yeah, that whole thing and Taz with the FTW belt. It was like, you guys really do this on TV? So, yeah, right. it, was, it was great times, you know, mid-90s. So authentic, so authentic. Uh, let's bring it to present day, the NBA bubble. You write for The Athletic with a focus of the Sacramento Kings. How surprised were you they actually got in the bubble and went with this format? I wasn't too surprised because once, I mean, once you kind of got the idea that they were going to have to be within four or five games of the last spot to get in the bubble, I knew they'd get in. And also, they really had played well. And I figured if the NBA didn't go to a format where they just started the playoffs with the 16 teams, you really couldn't exclude the Kings just because between the Kings, the Blazers, New Orleans, Santa, they're all right there in just terms of games behind Memphis. And you really couldn't pick one, even though kind of like the, the cynical view is that everyone believes the league definitely wants New Orleans in there. But, you know, the Kings had to be in there. And when, when plays stop, a lot of people don't remember this because partly it's the Kings and really a lot of people haven't followed the Kings probably for at least 15 years or so. The Kings were, were seven and three in their last 10. They were playing probably some of the best basketball in the league at that point. I mean, they were right up there in terms of the record after the break with the Lakers and Milwaukee and those type of teams. So they were playing well and they felt like they had the momentum going in their way to where they had a real chance to catch Memphis. Memphis had some injuries. They had a tough schedule coming up and the Kings were going to play. They were going to play, I believe, at New Orleans twice. They had a you know, uh, you know, Brooklyn team coming there. They, they felt pretty good about playing. So they had some they had some momentum, and they thought they really had a chance to get in. And they won 13 of 20 to get to this point. And before then, if you had told me mentioning them in any form of the postseason, even as crazy as 2020 was has gone just in general, I would have never guessed the Kings would have been there because they looked dreadful <laughs> through at about right. the midway point of the season. They They were awful. Right. The Aaron Fox, do you feel he's underappreciated because he happens to be on the Kings? And I mean, I guess just in general, there's probably so many misconceptions about the Kings because a lot of people don't pay attention as much as you do. Yeah, I think a lot of people in this restart, this, I think they're going to see how good De'Aaron is and how well De'Aaron was playing. I mean, he's averaging about 20 points and seven assists. I mean, that's not, right. you know, for, for a 30-year guard, you know, that's – I mean, I think anyone will take that. I know uh, his former coach Dave Yeager always kind of said he thought De'Aaron would be a Mike Conley type guard. More but athletic, I though. I think De'Aaron scores better than Mike. Right. Especially, especially at this stage of the game, you know, young Mike Conley. Remember, he got that first big contract. Everybody thought Memphis was crazy. Yeah. Like, why are you paying Mike Conley all this money? <laughs> so, I felt like they had to, right? It was something that they, they really had to spend the money. Yeah, I think that was part of it, too. And I think, you know, the, they were one of the first teams, maybe not one of the first, they kind of realized, hey, we got to pay to keep our guys. Right. And we can't get into this game of, well, we're going to lowball him and then see and dare someone else to pay him because they probably figured, you know what, if someone else does pay him, who are we going to get to come to Memphis? Especially at that time, they hadn't really gotten to that grit and grind, Zach Randolph, Marcus all level yet. Right. You know, Mike was kind of a young guy. You know, eventually he became part of that group with Tony Allen and all those guys who, you know, would make a couple of deep playoff runs. But the Kings are kind of in that situation too. I you know coming up in the when the season's over, they're gonna have they're gonna offer De'Aaron extension. It'll be the max unless someone upstairs just you know blows it, which I don't think will happen in this case. 
he'll get a max extension. And people, some people who aren't familiar with De'Aaron will say, why is he getting a max deal? Then you look at his numbers over the last couple of years, you say, you know what? I see it. And then as one GM once told me, the best deal in the NBA is that first max off of a rookie contract because it's, it's, it's big money, but it's still manageable money. It's not, you know, a LeBron max, a KD max, or a Harden max. And the guys are still young, so. Right, yeah. So, I you know, one GM to me, that's, to him, that's the best bargain deal in the league. You get a good young player, year four, five, six, seven, and you can maximize him in those years. You can, you know, get, you know, get something for that, so. De'Aaron will be in that mix. I think for the big picture for the Kings, outside of De'Aaron is, what do you re-sign Bogdan Bogdanovich for? And then hopefully in two years, I mean, hopefully you're you're talking about Marvin Bagley's extension, right. and for the, for their sake, you you hope about you're not you're not saying, well, you know what, let's go to year five and see. You don't want to be doing that with Marvin, right? What's the latest on Marvin? How's he doing? Uh, he's He's back. He's he's left the bubble with that uh, sprained right foot. He's done for the season. Uh, just a rough year for him. You know, right. first game of the season, he broke his thumb. You know, playing late in the game. I, I, I believe it was Kelly Oubre who hit him, if, if I remember correctly. You know, you know, broke his thumb, missed a bunch of games, comes back, sprains his foot, comes back, plays some more, sprains the foot again. You know, so he's only played in 13 games all season. He won't top 82 games till the third season of his career, which is kind of crazy because he didn't come into the league, you know, with these, you know, major medical red flags. This wasn't like a Joel Embiid situation where you knew he wouldn't have him for a stretch or Ben Simmons who comes in, you know, and gets hurt, you know, early on, or even like a Blake Griffin where he has to have the surgery, you know, he's going to miss the year. Marvin played in 62 games his first year, dropped all the way down to 13. And you, as you know, with the with the Kings and Marvin, everything Marvin does is looked at through this lens of he's not Luca. Right, right. So I, I feel bad for the kid in that regard because Marvin's not a bad kid. You know, like I said, this season Marvin's gotten hurt playing basketball. Marvin didn't get hurt, you know, doing anything wrong. You know, Marvin wasn't out. He didn't get into a fight. He got hurt playing basketball more than once. So it to me, it's unfortunate just because. When Marvin played extended minutes of his rookie year, he was close to averaging a double double. Yeah, and that still meant that's still not enough probably to to uh, ever kill the you know comparisons to Luca. But when I watched the young Marvin, you know, especially that rookie year, he reminded me a lot of Amari Stoudemire in terms of athleticism, the way he can run the floor, and the one thing he has that the Kings don't have enough of. Uh, he's the guy who can get his own shot. The Kings, De'Aaron's their really own their only shot creator, a guy who can say, "Give him the ball and go get a you no, know, go get a shot up." So right. if you can have that in the future, I think it's going to you know bode well for them. I just don't know if he'll ever be what people are going to because they're always going to compare him to Luca, which is really not fair to Marvin because all Marvin did was get drafted. You know, it's not you fair know. to any. It's not fair to any young player. I yeah, mean, and the thing Luka's is, a generational yeah, player. You know, and the thing is too with even people around the league have told me that I, I speak to even the people in Texas, they didn't think Luca would be doing this. So, you know, who could have predicted he'd be an MVP candidate year two? Right, right. I did tell people Luca would be the best player in that draft, but I nobody knew it would be like this, this quick, you know? No, no, nobody could have, been, you, know, you know, banked on, you know, like I said, for, you know, nearly a walk and triple-double 
Right, right. You know, the shooting, the, the, you know, they, they, everyone said he couldn't shoot, you know, and then you see the shooting develop. Yeah, you know, I, didn't sub- just- I didn't subscribe to that, though, because I just watched, you know, he, he could get it off whenever he wanted to, and it looked smooth. Like, I think maybe people were looking at the percentages, but sometimes yeah, they, they were looking at. Yeah, then if, even with the Kings, there was talk, well, Luca's a point guard. He's going to take the ball from De'Aaron, and it, it won't help Buddy. It won't help Bogey, you know, if oh this guy God. has the ball all the time. But you look at the way De'Aaron plays, De'Aaron loves playing without the ball. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I think, it, you know, maybe it could have worked, but, you know – I think Luca would make it work on pretty much any team. Yeah. Like, he's positioned. And the thing, you know? and I always tell people, when you're picking that high in the draft, you're not picking that high because you have all, you know, you have everything set. Get yeah. the best player. hundred percent. And I think, I think in this case, and like I said, Marvin gets dinged for the Kings drafted for need, and I liked Marvin a lot. So I didn't have a problem with Marvin as a player. I like Marvin. Right. I just think that right now, what's what's happening is. He's had a bad string of luck with the injuries, and Luca's been even better than anyone could have imagined. And then you've got Trey Young, you got all these other guys. And I think this the main thing for Marvin is get healthy, get healthy. And in talking to Marvin, he doesn't really you know get too wrapped up in what people are saying about him. It was kind of interesting when Buddy Hill chimed in last week and basically told the media to stop talking about it all the time because he's dealing with a lot. You know, that that was eye-opening just because you don't hear Marvin talk like that a lot. And for Buddy to be like, stop talking about it. We're like, first off, Buddy, he's hurt. We can't not talk about it. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I, and I get what Buddy was trying to say. Buddy was trying to say, hey, guys, let's not kill this kid all the time. He's got a lot on his mind. He's really trying. He's just hurt. And I'm like, I think generally everyone understands that. I just think a lot of times players players get caught up in reading, you know, reading their Twitter timeline and, you know, or maybe it's like somebody they never met before, some national writer who's just, you know, trashing them, but he'll never see the king, so it doesn't matter what he says. And then those guys turn and look at us and go, you guys are trashing us. So I'm like, come on, guys, you know it's not us. So, but hey. Right. You mentioned the slow start, and then they picked it up. How would you grade Luke Walton's um, season as a coach? It was, I mean, early on it was rough. But a lot of that had to do with the injuries. I, I don't think – the way this team is built, you could have imagined in your first two months, you'd lose De'Aaron for 17 games and Marvin pretty much the whole time. And, you know, people criticize Luke for his rotations or the style of play because, you know, previous season. How would you describe his style? Well, he's kind of, he's adapted it to who he's had. When De'Aaron okay. was out and Corey Joseph was starting, they kind of became like a more of a grinded out, slow down team in part because, you can't ask Corey to play the way that uh, De'Aaron plays. You know, you might be able to ask Yogi Ferrell to do it more, but the difference is that Corey got a three-year, about $40 million deal. You know, they're playing Corey Joseph. <laughs> you know, right. so they, they became this kind of this, you know, they slowed it down to kind of preserve guys. You know, Rashawn Holmes kind of emerged out of nowhere from, you know, he, he went from a guy they were thinking might be a 10th or 11th man to their starting center by the fifth game. So I think Luke did a good job of kind of identifying things like that. Like, hey, this Dwayne Dedman thing is not going to work. Let's switch this up. Let's kind of play to what we can do right now, which is try to slow down and execute. And then when he got De'Aaron back, tried to pick it up a little, you know, and I just think the injuries made it tough because, 
you know, you've got to, you know, do what you got, work with, work with what you got. And what he had was not the team that they thought they would have. And on top of that, one thing the Kings didn't have a lot of, which you need in today's league, you know, are wings with size. Right. You know, Buddy's about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, Bogey might be a little taller. And then their only wings with size were Harrison Barnes and Trevor Ariza. And with the injuries, you know, the, he played Trevor more than probably anyone wanted to play Trevor. You know, especially at the age Trevor was at. Right, right. You know, so that, you know, that kind of got, you know, some of the fans upset because they want to see these, you know, they want to see the young guys. They don't want to see Trevor Ariza, but Trevor was something they needed early on. They eventually traded Trevor and got Kent Bazemore back, which ended up actually being good for them. Right. Baze came in and fit right in. His personality seemed to settle some of the young guys down. He kind of knew how to fill in where they needed it. He, you know, Kent, he's been around the league. He's been on good teams. He's been on bad teams. So he understands how the league works. And he really kind of helped settle them down after that bad start. Jason, man, I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know if I wanted to speak about this on my podcast, but I'm gonna get to it, man. Lou Williams, Magic City. The reason why I didn't want to talk about it is because I think everybody's making a bigger deal than what it is. I'm, you yeah. know, Jason, I'm here for the jokes, and uh, I understand the safety <laughs> concerns as well. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like everybody was so hyped, so eager to talk about this, and it really wasn't a big deal. Like, I mean, I understand it's it's a gentleman's club, it's a strip club, but. I don't know. It's just like too much. Like, I feel like people are, I don't want to say immature, but just so eager to talk about something that's not that interesting. You know, it's like, yeah, I think what it is, is is that there's a section we we learned this past weekend. There's a section of the country that's never had food at a strip club. Right. Right. (laughs) And so it's like, Oh, come on. You know, I think if anything, it was just bad optics by Lou, just bad optics because, you know, Jack Harlow, Puts him on Instagram. Yeah. If, you know, if that doesn't happen, you know, probably no one even cares. I don't, I don't, you know, there's probably some gentleman's club etiquette. And I imagine part of the etiquette is you don't put your phone out and start recording, taking pictures while you're in there. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. No, I think, you know, I've never thought, Hey, I'm up, hey, we're up in here. Let's start taking pictures. So, I mean, if, you know, and I think I tweeted that, Hey, this guy was out of pocket, putting him out there like that. And someone was like, Oh, come on now. You don't understand that Lou endangered the entire bubble by going there. I'm like, calm down, calm down. <laughs> you know, it's not like you return to the bubble and they just throw you in with everyone. Yo. Yeah. Jason, my thing is like, if you, if you wake up that eager to talk about this, I think you like lack life experience. That, that's my, yeah, I mean, to me, it was more funny than anything. It was more funny. Right. And, you know, if you've been around the league, you know, Lou has a reputation already, not in a negative, like, like, you know, troublemaking way, just being, you know, the, I mean, the guys rap about his love life and, you know, life, you know, right, he's right. got two girls, you know, so, so people have always, always, already liked Lou. So it was more like, of course, Lou would be there, but I think people turned it almost like it was a criminal act. I'm like, calm down. Like I said, I think the NBA quarantined him for 10 games in part just because, like, dude, are you serious? You let this guy put you on social media like that? But to me, I don't think it's this this grand, oh, my God, moment that people want it to be like, you know. I mean, exactly. people are talking about Lou Williams. Like, he went out and committed a felony. They're like, oh, my God, you did what? I just think the optics were horrible. And, like, you know what, Lou, in that case, you wanted to those Lou Will wings, send your man to go get them, your homeboy, have him bring them to you just because you don't need – It's it, it became unnecessary attention. But I don't think it's something that's going to distract them from winning. People are acting like this is going to break up the team. 
and like, come on, calm down. I mean, exactly, calm down. It's, you know, it's people, really you know, at, at the end of the day, he stopped by to get some food from a gentleman. Yeah, and he, it's my really thing is, even if he, even if he stayed longer, okay. You know, they're right. dealing with it. It's not, you know, heck, but the Kings, Rashawn Holmes got a 10-day quarantine because he crossed a boundary there to pick up his wings. Right. So, I mean, right. I'm, I figure if you want to be, if you want to joke about it, Lou got bang for his buck when he got his wings, at least. Rashawn got 10 days, and all he did was step across the line. Yeah, man. Crazy, crazy. Um, Watching these bubble games, my biggest takeaway is that shooting percentages will go up. I mean – if you ever if you play basketball, you know the greatest shooting performances happen in gyms with no fans. Like, mm-hmm. so my thoughts are just that like we're gonna see some crazy shooting performances. Shooters are gonna have an advantage. What do you make of that? I agree. I know when talking to Buddy Hield, he said this is gonna be a great shooters' gym. Right, right. He said he loves it. He said he thinks it's gonna be great. And then you, I think that's gonna you know definitely play into you know into the favor of the teams with shooters. And maybe a team that struggles a little bit with their outside shot, maybe those teams can catch a little fire because of this the, the setting. And watching the game, it reminds me a lot of watching Summer League. All right, yeah. You know, if you've ever been, you know, been there with a Cox Pavilion at UNLV, it's Definitely. small. You've got, you've got fans, but some of those games have nobody at them. But, right. you, know, but you know, so I think, I think all in all, the guys will be fine with that. And, I, you know, I think just watching these scrimmages, the the quality of play was not as bad as I, I feared it would be. A hundred percent. I feared it was going to be just unwatchable. Like, oh my God, these guys haven't played. They really haven't played in four months. And I think we also see that some of these teams, like the Lakers, were clearly working out together. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. There were some people getting getting their work in, but I, I think the quality of play always pick up over time. Guys will get into a rhythm, and it, in a lot of ways, it's like think. So I heard somebody say it's like pure basketball. There's no home court advantage. So when you get into these seeding games, if you're a Houston Rockets, if you're the Utah Jazz, if you're Boston, you know, do you just say, you know what, I don't care where we finish, maybe if we drop, because we don't lose home court, <laughs> maybe I don't mind finishing here and playing this team and avoiding, say, Milwaukee in the second round. Maybe I don't mind, you know, you know, or maybe I don't mind being sick. Because that means I'll, I, you know, I think there's going to be some some interesting things that happen during these seating, these seating games, and then I think at the end it's still going to be the probably the better teams will be there. But this is going to be I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's it's much better than what baseball is dealing with. For sure, for sure. I mean, I think it looks pretty good. I mean, they got great camera angles. They got these Zoom fans chimed in. I, that's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was watching the Kings game. That was hilarious. I was like, oh, I'm like, what is? I'm like, oh, this is how they're giving you the home court advantage. You can see, <laughs> you can look at the screen and see your own signage. You know, so, Yo, yeah. some some of the fans look like a lot bigger than the other fans. Like, it just comes in different. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's better than those cutouts at baseball games. Someone said baseball's gone back to like, you know. The early 2000s, like NBA, like live 98 fans in the stands are just like motionless people. So, I mean, I, I think the league, all things considered, has done a pretty cool job with this whole setup, top to bottom. And like I said, you look at what football is trying to do, which no Lord knows how that's going to work. You look at what baseball and the Marlins are going through. I think the NBA, you know, found something that worked. And right now it's working. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. I think as it progresses, People will forget if they watch that, you know, some of the other, you know, that maybe there's not home court or this or that. 
they'll get into watching the games and they'll enjoy it. Jason, uh, I want to shift to boxing. You might, okay. you, you, you might know what I'm going with here. Why is nobody giving Roy Jones Jr. a chance against Tyson? Like, he only retired two years ago. Tyson retired 15 years ago. I don't hear one person giving Roy Jones Jr. a chance. You know, because what's going our, on? Because our last memories of Roy were him looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> and is, you just that and the fact that just naturally Mike is a bigger person than Roy. Right. Mike, even at five nine, five two, it was it five nine, five ten. Mike's always been a heavyweight. Yep. Roy, on the other hand, you know, moved up, moved up. And even when he won his piece of the heavyweight title, he won it against a smaller heavyweight. And I think people are also just assuming that Mike is going to be the Mike of nineteen eighty seven. I'm like, yeah. these, these guys are both in their fifth. They might be tired after a couple of rounds. <laughs> yeah. We really don't know what to and you can't, And you can't blame them. You can't blame them. Yeah, I just, I just hope nobody gets seriously hurt. You know, part of me doesn't want to watch it. Part of me knows I have to watch it. Right. <laughs> you know, but I just hope no one gets hurt, you know, because, I mean, I like both those guys. I enjoy listening to Mike's podcast. I mean, Roy was one of my favorite boxers growing up. I, I'm a big fan of guys who were – you know, kind of defensive wizards, guys who, you know, make you miss. So I liked watching Roy. I was a big Pernell Whitaker fan. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of the people who doesn't think Floyd Mayweather fights are boring. You know, because I love watching that, that, you know, kind of the gamesmanship of don't get hit. So maybe Roy can figure out how not to get hit, and they can have a little fun with this, and then by the end they're both running around laughing. I just don't want to see, some, you know, something bad happen. I don't want to see Roy get caught. I don't want to see Roy looking the way he looked the last time I saw him in the ring. Roy Jones Jr. is an underrated YouTube watch. If you never YouTubed Roy Jones Jr., for anybody listening, that's some interesting highlights, man. They're very oh, entertaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Roy Jones fights carried me through college. <laughs> right, right. I mean, he could, the things he would, you know, people, I don't think people understand how good he was. Yeah. You know, and, and entertaining. Know, yeah. Yeah, and I guess it has been 20 years, but I mean, the things he would do, and my, my favorite Roy Jones story, where he said he was watching the chickens fight, and he kind of saw how, it, how the chicken would faint, and he right. did that in a fight. Where right. he, like raised his, he had to raise both of his arms up, and I guess it caught the opponent so off guard, like, what are you doing? They just right. blocked him. So, yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know who's going to win. I just don't want no one to get, I don't want to see anybody on a stretcher. I mean, I really don't want to see the fight, period. I don't. I have no desire to watch 50-some-year-old fighters. You know, it reminds me of those old, old-timer games at NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah, they got, they, they got rid of that. They got rid yeah. of that. Yeah. I don't want to see a bunch of pulled hamstrings in that fight. Right, right. Jason, I'm with you. I hope nobody gets hurt during that. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. You're always welcome back. Let the listeners know where they can find you on social media and everywhere else. Okay, if you look on Twitter, I'm Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC. I post, you know, find all my articles, random comments on life, wrestling, music, whatever comes to mind. <laughs> so right. yeah, hit me up on it in either spot. You know, I I'd like to interact with fans. So even if you're not a fan of me, I'll still interact with you. So hit me up. Let's have some fun. Great stuff, Jason. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Oh, definitely. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Combo's Court and big shouts to Jason for joining in. We appreciate you, Combo Nation. If you want to support the show, go rate and review this show, man, and be on the lookout for episode 185. Combo out.